Welcome to Adversarial Learning. Never been not right. been the person to hit record before. All right. Oh, yeah, it's weird, right? So we're rolling, and we have uh, Chris Albin on the podcast. This is Andrew and Joel. Hello. Hey, hey. So we, um, you know, Chris, you're you, you're lacking a podcast at this point. So we figured you uh, <laughs> we should I'm, bring you on. I'm the permanent podcast guest. This is my new podcast: is to be on other people's podcasts. But it's okay. But it's okay. Should we introduce him for the handful of people who might? fall out of his self-promotional range i think so yeah so <laughs> you are the uh former host of partially der- derivative right mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and what else i am the former host of partially derivative i am the author of python's machine learning cookbook although it's oh. getting a new title apparently which Wait, is weird. what how what i don't, I don't know don't ask me i don't know that we're getting a new title um, it's an o'reilly uh text right yep yeah 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 what's the no what's the new title I don't know. That hasn't been decided yet. They they're getting back to me with another title. Because so so the real issue is that there is another book out there with the oh, same no. title, oh. and there's some confusion Who's... about if that's like kosher or not. It's the Pact book, which literally has the same title: Python Machine Learning Cookbook. <laughs> literally, who cares though? Pact. O'Reilly's getting out of the cookbook business. I know. Well, I, the, the, like the conversation with O'Reilly is like, well, I mean, it's Python, and it's machine learning, and it's absolutely written in the cookbook format like specifically in O'Reilly's cookbook format and then you sort of put those three phrases together and then that's that's the title so like I don't know I don't know how exactly it's gonna change maybe maybe it's just the machine learning cookbook or something I don't really know machine python learning cookbook yeah <laughs> it's just like so I don't know what it is um but okay. it definitely apparently has to change have All you right. looked at the cookbook section on Amazon to try and get some ideas Mm-hmm. Just some like, you know, taco cookbooks, stew cookbooks. Well, you know, a lot of the cookbooks have, uh, you know, really interesting, not interesting, but like, they're not called cookbooks. They're called like Rick Bayless's Journey to Mexico or whatever. <laughs> right. So it could be like Chris Albin's Journey to Python mm-hmm. Machine Learning. Right. Or to Mexico. I mean, because you, you do that often, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. So for people who don't know, I live really close to Mexico and therefore I go to Mexico. Which we can't figure out why. Why do you, why do you live there? I live in Mexico because my wife is a pediatrician and she is doing the... That's that's where all the kids are. That's where all the kids are, exactly. So she does the National Public Health Service Corps, which is where doctors go and serve for two to three years in a rural area um, for loan repayment. So it's like a a Peace Corps for doctors, but it's domestic. Is that one of the corps that has uniforms or... No, no, no. This is the non-uniform one. The one well, that like she wears scrubs, though, right? Uh, no, she doesn't. No, no, no. she she wears oh. professional attire. Being apparently huh. the, the this clinic is like nurses and nurse practitioners wear scrubs, and then doctors don't wear scrubs. She's a pediatrician, does she like hide you know little stuffed toys in her pockets and bring them out and things like that? You know what she really has is there's this little like dog that like imagine a little dog that's like the size of a golf ball and then you squeeze it and it goes ruff, 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 and like it goes a little led light and mm-hmm. kids love it because she can look inside their mouth and like that kind of stuff but they're like they're made in china so like they're like super 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 cheaply made like it's like a it's like a trinket that you would give out that like some factory in china is just pumping out these these little toys and so full of, full of lead occasionally they explode and get poison all over the kids well i mean the issue is that it is like they just don't last very long so they're super awesome like it's a great design for for a device and it has a really practical purpose but it just lasts like a month so she's like buying big boxes of it and like constantly going through all these little plastic like animals oh does Uh, ups like come to your town or it it does it does it drives it drives an hour to my town in fact (laughs) Okay, I believe it. Yeah. Do they still do the Amazon uh, same day Prime? Uh, no, no, no. It's two day. I don't have same day, and it, nothing. There's nothing same day. <laughs> Sometimes, like, I like we don't even hit the two day Prime a lot of the times. A lot of times, it's like I get like an extra month of Prime every single time they don't deliver something in two days, and we have like a lot of months of Prime stacked up. I mean, are we going to talk about like what you think about being a data scientist in the middle of nowhere? Is that one thing we're talking about? 
what, talk about I, anything. Whatever you guys want, man. I'm I'm here. So I, I wanted to talk about partially derivative and how oh. it's ending. I know it's a tough break. It's a tough break. What happened? What happened? You know, so like I think we so when we started partially derivative, there was like basically no podcasts on data out there. And then, but we were also like all working at a company, thinking of starting a company. And so we were really tight. We were like all doing the exact same thing together every day. Like even if we weren't in the same physical location, we were like in the same Slack channel. We were on phone calls twice a day, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And then me, you, Vidya, and John. Me, Vidya, and John. So all the all the hosts of the podcast. And so that lasted for almost three years. And then. Uh, you know, in the last six months, me and Vidya stepped away from the startup that we that we founded and let Jonathan run it. And then, like, I started moving in a different direction. Like, I'm writing these books and, you know, like, I've been doing some work for some other companies. Your flashcards. My, my wonderful flashcards. Vid has been off doing her own thing. And it's been harder and harder to get all three of us in the in the sort of the room. I guess the she's virtual like, room. She's like live, eat, praying right now. Or? <laughs> she's she's out on a like, she's out on a nice. Well, she, you know what she is? She's like backpacking around. Um, I think like all around the world. It's like there's like there was some there's India and there was Italy and all. She is definitely living it up. But it's just really hard to get like all the people in the same room if you're not sort of doing the same thing at least. And so then it like you could see sort of with the last four or five months, like Jonathan didn't actually appear on the podcast, like not because it was any real problem, just because he was doing other things. So yeah, it's just, it was just like a scheduling thing. And then I, there sort of became a point where Vid really wanted to go on this trip, which is now the trip that she's on, but she was kind of holding it off a little bit so she could do the podcast. And then it's like the the worst reason I've ever heard for not taking a trip. I know. Yeah. So there's like, of course, you should go take the trip. But then, of course, if Jonathan isn't, you know, Jonathan's busy running the company, Vid's on a trip, and then I'm just doing a podcast. Like, it was like, okay, cool. Like, maybe we should just, maybe we could end it. End it on a high note. Not let it are like. You, are out. you trying to become a co host of this podcast? That's I forget. Ex- that's exactly what I'm trying to do. Okay. Okay. Coming cool. on to this podcast, we're recording. We already got, we already got too many hosts here. <laughs> that's more, it's more than zero. There's right. too many. Here. So. So where where did the name of the podcast come from? Oh, I don't even remember. It was just like some stupid, stupid joke. Most, you know, most of the things that we came up with as a trio are some stupid joke one of us made. So we made a joke. <laughs> okay, some stupid line. Like this is what happens. We're like gaming out ideas, and then you know we're just like saying stupid stuff. And then I was just like, oh, it's just like partially derivative because it's like you know it's like it's derivative of the news. That was the original idea. Was it was like of the news, and then we were like just like doing some derivative content off the news haha <laughs> like funny funny math joke anyway so the name of this po- episode is actually completely derivative so <laughs> it's the fully derivative and so uh let me ask you this uh, was the podcast good i thought it was good i thought like you know i i think actually what we did was we fit this really really perfect niche that i think a lot of people wanted in podcasts which is you have one end of the spectrum where you have like a lecture right so that's like talking machines that is like a very very high like very very like strong tough discussion about things like uh, who runs that one I, I don't i don't remember his name it's a harvard professor who's doing like machine learning but like they refer to other machine learning people as their first name like oh jared of course and i should know who jared is and that kind of stuff but like I don't know all those people, right? That's not my my world that I came to. And so we ended up finding this niche, which was like, which was basically this. We are people who work in data, but our only real goal for the whole podcast is to make you laugh out loud. That's all we're going for the whole time. Like we can't measure that in any way, but in fact, that is actually the reason to do it. That's why we're sort of saying what we're saying and choosing stories that we're choosing because it's supposed to be entertaining and it's supposed to be entertaining in a way that like let people not, let people sort of listen to things about data and not be like having a you know 45 minute lecture on the whatever so it was like data not not necessarily like data science but like data in general yeah we did i mean we did stuff like all over the, I and mean, we did stuff on like sql and like just like there was something about I, data lakes how did you make people laugh about sql uh you know what i did i got the <laughs> i got the microsoft engineer i was interviewing to say like something like oh you know like data lakes is a really name a really crappy name for it we should have called it like data fucking awesome or something like that i was trying to... <laughs> wait from the sequel team yep microsoft wow. sequel team yeah <laughs> you want a record saying like that or yeah 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 okay i like um, data lake better but 
<laughs> I thought, you know, like the point is just to like not take things like super seriously. Like for us, a lot of times we talked about the failures of things in data science, but we always tried to take it from a perspective of like not being mean that someone failed because that's not really the point. The point is to be like, this is hard. We all fuck up sometimes. And like you made a racist Microsoft Twitter bot. Like, okay, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> it could happen to all I mean, of us. <laughs> So, I mean, I think a question that Joel and I both have personally, and maybe, maybe we should go offline, but we'll do it live, is like, how do you run a, a good data podcast? I think the, the, the most important part is finding this, this niche with guests. So, okay, there are three types of people in the world who are yeah, doing any though. kind of technical topic. How did I run it? No, no. I mean, we have you on, so. Oh, how do you do it with me? Well, are I'm you awesome. a good guest? I no, guess. I'm the perfect oh, guest. No. There's three types of, about the three types of people in the okay, world. Okay, okay, okay. So there's three types of like people who could talk a podcast. There's one who's someone who's who's actually generally into entertaining, right? And this is why talk shows on TV have actors because like you could just put an actor in front of a camera and they're like funny. So like video. Right. She's just like generally good to talk to. Two, there's people okay. who like are okay, but then you can sort of if you have a strong host, they can sort of pull out entertaining stuff from them and it's pretty low and relaxed. So that was some of the ones we did. Um, we, we had some like different experts. I'm not going to name like specific persons cause I'm not judging them, but like that they were sort of a little bit cautious coming on, but then they when they realized that like I was swearing and just kind of joking around. They were like, Oh cool. A little bit more relaxed, like cool. Awesome. Awesome. Those guests are fine too. There's only the, the, the only like really bad one are, are people who can be very smart, but are not very social at all. And it's very hard to kind of pry out an entertaining conversation from them because the conversation, like you, is that like you? No, no. I'm a highly okay, talkative, right. awesome person. Oh, okay. What about people who are like talkative but boring? I mean, yeah. Well, that would, I guess that might be me. That could be shit. Can we swear on this Well, podcast? there's four four people. Yes, mildly. Okay. Ooh, no, you can swear all you want. What is, what is <laughs> you mildly? You can say whatever you want. Okay. You said the S word. I mean, you can say the F word, the D word, the you, M you, word, you the B out. word, whatever. Make, whatever you want. <laughs> no, I mean, I don't care. <laughs> I swear. I don't. Podcast. So there's f- so there's four people on podcasts, and you're the fourth. That's probably true. That's probably so, true. So, Andrew, what was our goal with starting the podcast? I think it was to me, make people laugh. It was to make people laugh. It was also in, in re- reply. Make them cry. Well, you know, to make them so, weep tears of joy, to instill <laughs> longings into them, um, to expand their minds, to blow their minds. I feel like both of us were mad that there were so many like thought leaders online at the time. <laughs> so you're like, I'm going to make my own thought leader soapbox. And yeah, we, I, I personally, I felt like it would be, it'd be fun to like drag the idea of da- data science thought leadership into the ground. <laughs> Just like um, become a popular podcast and then, then crash the whole thing. Uh, yeah. And we have not achieved the first goal. <laughs> Although Joel did get a sponsor. Yeah, I, I think for me it wasn't that complicated. It was more that, you know, in the course of any given day, I can only get, you know, 10 or so people to listen to me talk. But through a podcast, I can actually get a lot more than that to listen to me talk. And so that was the big appeal for me. Yeah, I mean, we're up to like 800 people. Yeah, each see. Episode. So. And that's only downloads through uh, through Libsyn, right? Who yeah. knows how many other people are listening through uh, it iTunes could be, or Stitcher or all those other products that it people could mention. Be any there. number, yeah. So, Chris, where were you at as far as metrics go? We were at something like. Don't tell me. I don't want to hear. No, it was it was ten thousand in the first week. Like an episode Dude. got ten thousand in the first week, and then that episode over like uh over like six months or a year. No, maybe like a year would get something like like. 60,000. So like, like the long tail goes off. Okay. So I understand now why you had sponsorship that was like, uh, <laughs> orders of magnitude. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, you're a political scientist. I, I am trained as a political scientist. I don't know if I could say I'm a still a political scientist. I want well, to like, cause if someone a is like a political scientist, always a political scientist. That's, I mean, cause economic, like whatever people with economics PhDs are always economists, no matter what they do. I feel like I can do the same thing with political science. Right. No, it's fine. Yep, I buy it. I'm still a felon, right? (laughs) It's just like it just like stays with you forever, you know. What What do you like about political science? I okay. So this is my thing. I am like a huge fan. Name one thing. (laughs) Well, this is my thing. I'm a huge fan of history and political science 
specifically Ugh. like quantitative political science was like a really interesting way of going back and exploring history short of like reading thousands of primary source materials about something which is like it's really interesting to read history books but it's not interesting to write history books as it were so i'm 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 actually sort of a political scientist um in the sense that i have a master's degree in social science and it was a joint program in economics and political science and so when it when I was in that grad school and it was convenient, I would identify as a political scientist, mostly at parties <laughs> because I don't people as an economist. And so I also studied a lot of that quantitative political science stuff. And it was all bullshit, basically, right? All this uh, ideal points and single peak preferences and median voters. Is that the kind of stuff you did? A lot of that. Although I wouldn't say it was bullshit, but I get your, I get your point. I think like, you know, the thing about political science that was really interesting is that when I started doing it, like when I started my program, it was like like the the quantitative bar that you had to pass was super low and then every single year they were raising the bar like like for the for your qualifying exam they were just raising the bar every single time it's because it so is, you had to, you could use r the first year and then python the second year you know what I, if i remember the first year i was there so you take your qualifying exam and you're like 30 or fourth year or whatever the first year i was there i think the hardest question was linear regression and then the next year, the first question was linear regression. Like it was just like it was wow, just like really? the step up because it's like the the school that I went to, UC Davis. They had a very clever plan. They were like, we are a you know hundredth tier political science program, and we're never going to get people to like we're never going to race in the rankings just doing the regular thing so what we're going to do is we're basically going to be a stat shop that's called a political science program and we're going to be all quantitative oh, shit you know what yeah one of my ex-team members was uh did her stats thing there yeah, yeah so and so the idea is that if what would happen is that another department would need basically a statistician that they could call a political scientist to hire into their program to be to teach all the stats questions to be the on-hand stats expert and so that's what Davis did. And they just skyrocketed through the rankings. Like, I mean, I think now they're like, whatever, like 15th or 20th or something like that. But they, they were able to do this massive rise because they were basically a stats shop, but called political science. <laughs> I mean, do you feel like you're a political person now or? I, yeah. I mean, I like, I love politics. I like, I've watched every single debate. I follow the news all the time. Although like, I've been trying to do it less because, so when I was doing more sort of, um, like when I was working in DC and I was, I was writing articles, stuff like that. I was like really, really into to learning it. Gross. And then, uh, and now there's like other things that are better use of my time. Like I should read, you know, frankly, like I should read more math books and that kind of stuff instead of reading yeah. like another right, book do, about World War II. Make a, I was going to say, I should make a flashcard about the square root function. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> was a, that was, I, I might've been drunk for that one. Admittedly, that was a, what was it? The undoing? <laughs> I was kind of mad about that. Yeah. The undoing function. You know, so, uh, <laughs> those are like, it, it's, it's, it's weird to like put stuff online like that because you, because jackasses like to look at it and make fun of you. Right? Not, not always. I think like, okay. I think there's like, like, I've been really enjoying the fact that like a lot of people give feedback because then I can fix it. Cause I want to get to the point where like, there's basically nothing wrong with it. And I could just be like confident out there. And normally you do that through basically having technical reviewers of books, but like you can't, I wasn't going to get a technical reviewer for oh, flashcards. Technical reviewers don't for books. Uh, don't do shit. Yeah. <laughs> except, except me. <laughs> like, I'll, so, I'll trash well, it. Okay. So Andrew, uh, it's true that Andrew trashed my book. So I won't say he didn't do shit, but he didn't find all the technical errors in it. Yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah. It's just hard and, when there's like, like there's so many little things that can go wrong. And then if you're producing content in any kind of like actual reasonable rate, you're, there's going to be slip ups. I don't know. Like that's just the way it I goes. I guess for me, for me, like I'm not, so to shift gears, I'm not sure why we need a flashcard for square root. Yeah. Okay. So this is the idea. The whole idea of the flashcards was that you're going to take someone with no knowledge about anything, and they you're they could sort of like anything get at all. And well, yeah. like like a super low bar. So the, the my bar was the basically uh, in in the deep learning book like where you kind of start, and they start actually a little bit past the square root, but actually like not crazy far, frankly. So like there's things about there, like there's things about linear algebra and like just there's one for matrix and that kind of stuff. The idea is just like okay. something pretty basic. And then you like you can go and they like and then you can go all the way like into more deeper stuff. And they're not it's not a like it's not a book. It's not teaching you the whole thing. It's just like a way to like 
trigger your memory over and over and over again that like it gets embedded in your memory and you remember the difference between stacking and boosting and bagging and all that kind of stuff which i had a hard problem okay. like sort of memorizing i mean like you memorize okay. it over time by like using it but some of those ones are annoying so so, so for me like well one i i sort of agree with andrew like why did you put square root on the card but the second is that it basically said square root of x equals x to the one half right <laughs> Remember, if I remember so, correctly. So, so if you remember don't know that? what a square root is, that's not really helpful. Yeah, and so this is this is the thing. I think the best way to do that card was actually the, the undoing idea, but but done in like a better way. Because I think where I was trying to get the intuition behind that is that, that a lot of times it's actually used to bring back, like back to the denominator. So you have something and then you square it and then you like, and then you, you want to get rid of that squaring so you can stay in the same sort of like whatever the 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 denominator's range. So you were saying like in the context of machine learning, this is a topic. It, it This is, a, it's an atomic point. It's just like a small atomic point for everything. Yeah. And some are bigger, like there's a whole card on random forest. And then there's a card on like, you know, feature yeah. importance or something like that. They, they sort of range, but it's, it's just like, think about this as like a language flashcard. Like sometimes there's really a, an important <laughs> word that you use a lot. And sometimes there's a simple Dog. word and then, then you like end up not using it. I'm not really worried think, about their like, like being like comprehensive into like space like making sure i was super covering everything equally i was trying to make sure that like there was a range where it wasn't too far or or not yeah like i i I really respect the 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 series and yeah we'll give you a point to to plug it uh you can buy these flashcards actually you can can indeed buy these flashcards what is it ten hundred thousand dollars or ten hundred thousand dollars going to my my loan repayment which is yeah you know what the sad thing about this is they've been like a pretty popular <laughs> cards and it really hasn't benefited like my life in any way like i feel like oh, i should no, really? like get some cool thing from it but i i mean like it benefits me in the fact that my loan numbers which like go down but now that's just like on mint so i feel like I well there i mean you know there's a lot of typos in there there's there's only a few typos. There's like at least three that I've, that's, I've seen. that's also your choice, right? You you chose to use them to pay off loans. You could have chosen to use them to buy a motorcycle or something, right? <laughs> that's a good point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I mean there's there's so the thing is that this is the I just released the ninth version of them. So whenever there is like anyone points <laughs> out an error, I just like I change the error and then cool. I upload it again. That's the hard part about writing a book is that someone points out an error and then you're just like shit. Yeah, well, I mean, someone actually wanted to talk about physical flashcards, and I was like, I don't know if I'm like at the right point where I want to like put out a physical flashcard because you know, like 300 little pieces of information. There's like little things that are going to be wrong, you know, and that's like that's okay. But it's so better I mean, if it's fixed. so I I actually did my homework, and there's a couple that I remember that it bugged me. If you don't mind talking about no, it, no, go ahead. Okay, one is the um like the type one versus type two error where, you know, it's like a vertical lines. In <laughs> oh, right. I remember that. Yeah. And the vertical lines in uh, 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 capital N. So there's two line, there's two lines in an N one line in a P. So I actually complained offline to Joel about that. And he said, Hey, funny story. Like I've used that in my mind. When I, when I first saw that, I was like, that's like the dumbest thing I've ever seen. And then, like, five <laughs> it times is. Since then, and then five times since then I've been like, Type two, the two fits in yeah. the N negative. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. It's, it's like such a most- stupid way of naming errors. Like it's not like it's not like intelligently named. Oh, it's horrible. Like I and I hate when people say type one. It's like <laughs> oh, really? Yep. What, what does that mean? Yeah. I know. It's like they, they did the same thing with for uh, diabetes, right? <laughs> I don't know. It's just you know, it's Is just that- it's not a it's not a helpful way to like name stuff like that and that's just i mean it was just a little memory that was like my personal memory tool because like someone i was kind of afraid that someone would bring up like oh this is type one and i'm like what the fuck is type one again okay so so now now when i meet people i'm like oh do you have a false negative diabetes or false positive diabetes (laughs) (laughs) so i mean did did you invent that uh mnemonic for yourself yeah no absolutely that was my that's like literally my way of remembering it and i just that's worth they should put that they should put that on your tombstone this is just like the only, the only way it's, you know, it's, it's so stupid and simple. And then at like, at the same point that like, that was actually what I was doing. I was like negative. There's two straight lines. Wait, that's two. Are you in Tombstone, Arizona or no? I'm really close to Tombstone, Arizona. Yeah. Okay. I have a friend down there right now. Is that a real place? It is. A it real is. Place. It's like a little is touristy that, is town. That, is that where they make the pizzas? No, no. I think so. That would, there'd be no, way more Papa jobs. John's. <laughs> no, that's Papa John's, Arizona. Yeah, Papa what do you want on your Tombstone? <laughs> 
So the other one that bugged me, and you know, I forgive me, but it was like the the therefore notation. Oh, that was that was an amazing yeah. one. <laughs> so I think if I recall, I didn't even see it, but like recently, but like there's a there's a T, and that's the three dots. Is that right? So the idea is okay. So this is my other memory mnemonic that I would see that in like equations bugged and me really bad, not really know how to how to memorize that. And so this okay. is this is the way. I don't think this one is as good, but this is the way. That if you have sort of the V, you can think of the V as the bottom of, of a B, right? So then... <laughs> Wait, what? Wait, okay, so if sorry. you have three dots, you have two dots, and then below them, you have one dot, right? Sure. Draw a line straight down to the left dot, and then circle it back around, and then up to the second dot, back up, and then over, that's a B. And that's, like, because. That's wrong. That's, that's really fucked, dude. Hey, man, you know? Seriously, what? I mean, I thought... I actually remembered it as therefore as T. So the, the three dots are the, the corners of a T. No, but that's the other way around, right? So if you have a three, like if you have a lowercase T, that if you take the little endpoints. No, a capital T. Okay. Oh, a capital T. Jeez. Yeah, that's therefore. Dude, you missed an opportunity. That's true. It's like everything, everything is, yeah. Version nine. Version nine coming out yep, tomorrow, yep. right? Changing, okay. uh, there's no M changing. That's my way. It's way better you than said- that. B. That's what bugged me. Yeah, it's just like you know, some of these things are really dumb. You have to like find some way to to memorize them that you don't think about them. Because I don't like I don't come like I don't run into that symbol like all the time. But I no math notation is ridiculous. But then you do run into that symbol, and it's like like I would go and look on my phone and have to like go see you know I don't know what this like especially if one. I really love it when books have the nice definition of what symbols they use because they're not always the same. And they like if you have the first few pages are like this is the yeah. nomenclature we're using. That's ten points for you because I love that. Yeah, but I mean, but also you had like I saw one. I was I definitely trolling through your stuff today, and just to because I was like, <laughs> well, we're gonna talk to Chris. So there, you had the like upside down a. How like how hard is it to remember like for all. Oh, no, I I find that I actually find that super useful to know just like memorize yeah. that stuff. Okay, okay. And then for and then there there exists is in backwards E. I, so for all that stuff, you just you just grind through it. Like you just memorize okay. it. It's just exactly all like right. there's no like how do you memorize like, you know, dog is is pero like you don't. You just like grind like you just like literally flashcard. Like look at the back, flashcard, look at the back. And if someone hadn't experienced that because they didn't have like, you know, any kind of lengthy experiments with math or they don't have like some incredible memory, like I, I literally did it with flashcards. I would actually sit. So behind my house is a is a concrete like a cinder block wall, and I would sit there and just memorize them by writing them out. While my you know my baby was probably too young at that point, but I would just write them out there. The idea is just to like just straight memorize it. Greek symbols as well. Like just yep. they're they're dull but important things to memorize. Did you uh, did you notice that other people are freeloading off your hashtag? I did notice that some of them are really weird too. Some of them seem unreal. Like one was like some kind of corrugated iron roofing yeah. thing or something. Yes. I didn't really understand that. But there's also someone else doing flashcards. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, like, yeah. I, I like this is my thing. So one, like, yes, I'm selling flashcards, but more importantly, like. I think flashcards are a great way of grinding through some of this material. Like it just is like some of it is like some of it, like you can get the great intuition behind stuff and that's like awesome. And that's totally cool. But there's a lot of it. That's just like, not all of it, but like, there's a lot of it. That's just, I don't know. You just sit there and memorize. Like, frankly, I wouldn't mind a flashcard set. that was like Amazon's product list because I have no idea. Like there's that one site that was like Amazon product or Pokemon, you know, like uh-huh. <laughs> you had to like figure Athena. out. You know. sure. <laughs> yep, yep. And you just, it's just like, it's useful to know this stuff. Um, yeah. That I mean, are people, so I see, I've seen people like printing it out as like wallpaper and stuff like that. Like what's, Toilet what paper. would you say? Yep. yep. Sure. And like what, like what's the most uh, reverent and irreverent uh, use you've seen so far? I don't know. Most of it's just been printing stuff out. Oh, the thing that I want to see is for a hundred dresses. Well, that would be cool. So for a hundred and thirty-seven dollars, you can make a custom bed sheet. Not, I don't get any. I haven't tried this. You, I, you'd have to like. There's a company that makes custom bed sheets. So technically, you could have like a machine learning bed sheet, which is so cool yeah. in my head. But at the same time, I'm not going to spend $137 on a bed sheet. So it's just not going to happen. I mean, that's that's like a body pillow level. <laughs> it's a lot of it's a lot of work. But I mean, it, it would be cool. 
someone looks at it, they're like, uh, yeah, your K-means clustering has too many clusters. They're like, no, that's a stain. <laughs> <laughs> K plus one. K plus one means clustering. Yeah. Um, what about T-shirts? You ever think about doing T-shirts? Oh, that's a really good idea. Uh, it's probably not. I would buy one. I, I would actually buy one. I I did make a... I would. I did make a t-shirt that was pretty cool when I was at Poply, but I, I don't know. I don't know if like the flashcards really work no. for a t-shirt. Just like the Mupp- no, the Muppet t-shirt's hilarious, and <laughs> people want it. And you should make t-shirts with these cards. Just on like it. pick like the you know the four best and make four t-shirts with them. It's just it's like so random. It's just like oh, that's grid search on a t-shirt. Oh, no, <laughs> grid, grid search is probably <laughs> not one of the four best, but there's got to be like four that are you know, t-shirt quality, right? Probably. I don't know. I'd have to like. What's the best one? Which is the best one? Okay, so like I think probably the best one is the random forest one because I spent a lot of time on it. It actually like like the word forest is spelled out like a forest and yada yada. And my personal favorite one though is the validation curve, which is um, actually on you know like on my website. You can go look at it. I I find it's just like really. Was it ROC or what? No, 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 no. Just straight, like, take the values of a hyperambiter, like, during some range and just see how the training and test set performance metric changes over that time. Oh, yeah. And it, That's it's a cool it's one. It's a simple concept that, like, when you just, like, it's literally, like, a 10-word description and a little chart, and that's it. And frankly, like, I've noticed that a lot of people take that and go, oh, yeah, I never actually knew what a validation curve was. You know, because it's not, it's not a complicated thing. It's just not something that you... Like, it's not something that's sort of hit on every single book talks about validation curves. I actually rarely talk about it. Um, I don't know what a val- validation curve is. Yeah, so it's just like... I mean, um, I know what cross-validation is, and I know what hyperparameter search is, but I don't know. I think you could just validation. memorize it. It's, you know, like, all those things are just really easy. And I think the, the hardest part of doing the cards, and I think the most valid criticism of, of these cards, is that there's this <laughs> balance between putting... We'll, we'll, be, we'll decide that. Yeah. <laughs> Fine. It was Val's perspective, you know, from the creator's perspective, <laughs> is that it's really, really hard to find the sweet spot between dumbing down a topic enough that it is actually like, it's literally like a tweet amount of text plus a visual. And then that's the whole, that's all you get. Comparing that with like the nuance of the thing, right? Like there's like, I mean, for example, say like a support vector, like a support vector, you can explain it pretty simply, but there is a lot of nuance behind support vectors. And there has been a, you know, a number of people on Twitter who are like, well, you should add this and add this and add this and that kind of stuff. The problem is then you have like a book on a note card and it's sort of... Is it Francois, Francois Chalet? It is, it is not. I don't think he does anything with, with support vector I, stuff I, anymore, I man. I think he's... He has Karis, a, all Karis all the time? All, all deep learning all the time, yeah. So tell us about being a, a NatSec bro. I was what, just going to ask What, what is a NatSec bro? <laughs> so I, okay. One, I'm not a NatSec bro, but it's, it's, it's not even short like for, It's short for national security. It's right? short for a national and security. Bro is short for a brother, right? <laughs> it's short for like bro, right? Brother. Like the, you know, the answer. So I, I that bro, bro is short for brother. Broham. I, I probably, I, I thought it was more like short for like dude, right? I mean, I don't like, I don't think anyone's calling me a national security brother. <laughs> <laughs> it's racist brother in the fraternity so, sense but right so I was, yeah so someone's famous called me so okay i used to can we name him because i i actually don't like that person uh yeah sure we can name him it's <laughs> sure so i used to so, write for the u.s naval institute like i was studying my phd was in armed conflict and health systems so like i wrote for the u.s naval institute I wrote some stuff on on health and conflict for the Atlantic and various other places. And that was when I was thinking I was going to go to D.C. and work at think tanks and sort of be a think tank report writer. And so in the process of that, um, Glenn Greenwald, who's now famous for, you know, uh, sort of the like leaking yeah, and sure. Snowden and all that kind of stuff. He ended up calling me an, a NatSec bro on Twitter, awesome. which then led to a lot of, of hate. <laughs> in my twitter feed <laughs> for like 24 so what, hours what do you think it was real people or was it also supplemented with uh oh uh, no this was this was all real people this was like pre-bot days i mean this was a long, oh, long, long time ago i mean this was like 2010 okay. or something like that it was like was it all his his fans or what i don't know i i mean I, I i have no idea i feel like the best thing to do in those situations is just sort of like ignore it and move on it doesn't you know like you, you can't dwell on <laughs> like all these people sending you tweets and emails 
someone called me like a crypto fascist wrapping myself in an American flag. <laughs> that, oh. was, that was me. Yeah. <laughs> but that but that sounds like that sounds like bot shit, man. That doesn't sound like, like pre, real people. This is pre-bot, man. This was way before. Really? I mean, this was like because that doesn't sound like a like a phrase that a real person would say. Well, I say crypto fascist all the time. <laughs> Wrapped in a flag. Wrapped in an American flag. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I think I call my kids preschool teacher a crypto fascist. <laughs> you're like, if you want a view of the future, just imagine your your teacher stepping on your face forever. <laughs> It's just you know yeah so that that I, some people have have found that I, the thing is that I've just been on Twitter for I mean I think I'm coming up on ten years on Twitter so mm-hmm. random things happen like I don't I don't ever I've never I never have really interacted with like that whole community or anything like that it's just randomly he stumbled upon something and didn't like it I guess I mean do you, do you know people who are Natsec bros or I don't think I, I wouldn't call anybody a Natsec bro I feel like that's not I know, I know a lot oh, of people really? in national security, but I feel like Natsec Bro is like. I mean, actually, I don't know. I, you'd have to ask him what he thought, what he was meaning by that. Tom Nichols or the Grug, and I mean anybody who's like dealing with infosec and the military that, in, that intersection. No, I, I don't know. I mean, like, like so. I wouldn't. One thing I wouldn't really confuse infosec and Natsec as like the same thing. Not that I have really a problem with either of those, but like, there's there are like. Very different in, in, oh, in yeah. the type of people who are part of those two communities. Are they really? I mean, well, one is like, I mean, if you're typically people in the, you know, the national security world are really okay, you know, with the military, they tend to be more conservative, even if they're liberal, they have a strong belief in institutions and all that kind of stuff. And then the infosec world is like, don't trust anybody. I don't even trust my phone. No, but I mean, I would say, like, do they not have infosec people in natsec circles? I, 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 would, I would put it this way: people in the natsec. Uh, I can't believe I said natsec. Um, people in the natsec. Um, actually, I, that reminds me of something funny uh, that I'll get back to in a second. People in the natsec community have uh, they probably have like political and national security type backgrounds, whereas people in the infosec community have music backgrounds. <laughs> Actually, that's a fair point. Um, yeah. I think no, there's just, I, you know, I think there's, I, I think of them as different groups, but I mean, not that it really matters. But, no, but there should be some overlap. I mean, I mean, I'm sure there, there are, should I'm be. I'm sure there is some overlap. I don't know if that overlap exists on Twitter, though. I think of them as okay. different groups. Totally different groups. But I would prefer if my NatSec folks had some InfoSec uh, weirdos You would in prefer there. that, but they're, they're, for the most part, they're probably different people. You don't have like NatSec bros going to, you know, Black Hat Conference or whatever. <laughs> DEFCON. DEFCON. Yeah. Actually, I think they do. So, um, uh, Chris, uh, would you punch a Nazi? Would I punch a Nazi? I would not punch a Nazi, I feel like. Why not? You're supposed to. I'm not really okay with... I don't know. Punching people seems like the best strategy. But Nazis. I mean, I think that like the problem is that when you escalate violence with violence, it seems like a really counterproductive approach to doing anything. Right? What did you did you read history or something? I know like, it's almost so, like I've so, read a lot of books on the rise of Germany. This is bullshit. So let, let me change it up a bit. Would you would you sexually harass a Nazi? Oh wow, that's a weird. I would not. I guess I don't. I I think the whole point of like okay, if if depends on the Nazi. If someone right? is a Nazi, I feel like you're really striving for attention at this point because being a Nazi in America has historically not gone very well for you in any kind of real way. So I think probably the best thing would be to not give them any kind of soapbox that they can stand on. Like they're fine to stand on a literal soapbox, but possibly not giving them. I'm there. I, so when, I'm when there I was in you. when I was in college a long time ago, depending on your major, you had to take you know different distributional requirements. And if you were a, a humanities or social science major, you had to take this hard science survey class that was called Natural Science 101. But everyone back in the day referred to it as Nazi. Natural science. And so I'm wondering if they, I bet they still don't call it that now. Like, but I, but I should find out. Now that like people are identifying as Nazis again, that you can, well, I guess they wouldn't they, identify as Nazis. They, they've probably. ruined everything, right? So like I went to a school that had a residential college, right? Um, well, they've been doing it Residential forever. college system. And so every college had, you know, like a master who was a faculty member who lived there with their family. Oof. So they call them the college Bad masters. terminology. Bad terminology. So last year yeah. they renamed them and now they call them magisters. Wow, that's a better. I like that name. I Wait, want to be called a magistrate. No, it's horrible, dude. Come on, that's horrible. Like, what is it, magistrate versus? I mean, what? You just put a gist in there? 
I, I don't know. I was talking to someone and they're like, oh yeah, the college magister. I'm like, what the fuck's a magister? <laughs> That's not even a word. I know. That's, is, huh. isn't that a word? What are they called? Slagis? Slagivis? I, 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 I think it comes from Harry Potter or something. I know. That's exactly what I was thinking, too. <laughs> yeah. We, we've renamed them to Wizengamots. Good God. What? Yeah. Chris, are you a Harry Potter person? I I have listened to the books on an airplane, um, but I, haven't, I, haven't, I don't really remember anything about them. I mean, I remember there was... Do you make... You didn't make pol- political analogies based on like oh, no, I definitely didn't. Although that is definitely a political science thing to do. Why? Why? Why is that? Because because I mean it's the same thing with data science. People love thinking about this stuff. They love thinking about the thing that they they do, and then all of a sudden they get really into Game of Thrones, and then instantly decide to write about the politics of Game of Thrones. So I'm like the oh, okay. Harry, I'm the most Harry Potter of all people, not because I particularly like Harry Potter, but because my six year old is like chugging her way through them right now. Mm-hmm. And so I see the movies, I listen to the books on tape, like I've got it all like coming into my head, you know, not twenty four seven, but everything. Is it good? Um, so here's my take. Um JK Rowling is actually I think she's a good writer. She she writes really nicely. Her descriptions are are very good. Um and, and the way she describes things, uh she writes much better than than most other children's authors, I would say. She has this bad habit of giving our characters stupid alliterative names, which I don't like. So, like, fifty percent of the Harry Potter characters have the same, you know, first initial, last initial, um, which you know, oh, Zip Slaw Ben Phillips Law or something says that that shouldn't be the case. And then some of her plots are kind of stupid, which you know, a lot of kids' books have stupid plots, so that bugs me. And the thing she does that I hate the most, I hate it so much, it makes me like irrationally angry, is that she's writing a seven book series. And so in book four, she'll need to introduce some new concept that she forgot to introduce in the previous three books or she just came up with. And I'm totally fine with that if you just introduce it and kind of gloss over it. But instead, she always introduces it in a way that like her characters are learning about it too. And it's like, you've attended this school for like three years. There's no way you wouldn't learn about this one aspect of the school until your fourth year. Like that doesn't make any sense. I get that you only brought it into the book, but you just have the kids kind of blow it off. Like, yeah, whatever. You know, there's like, so for instance, there's, um, there's like 30 kids at Hogwarts, right? It's a lot. That's a lot of kids in the class. No, I know. And so then in, you know, the fourth year they meet uh, Luna Lovegood and they're like, oh, Harry, this is Luna Lovegood. And I'm like, you've been going to the same school for three years and there's like 20 <laughs> kids at the school. How can you not know who the hell she is? Like, that's stupid, right? And, you know, in, in book two, and God, I sound like one of these Harry Potter people, which I guess I am because I've been listening to them on tape all summer. You know, in book two, uh, Draco calls Hermione a mudblood. And Harry's like, what does that mean? I'm like, how can you like have gone through and not how is it that Draco managed not to call Hermione that the entire first year and no one said it? Harry yeah. didn't like all those stuff. That, so it drives so me he nuts. invented a new like uh, racial slur. Except it's not new. It's a, it's the worst thing you can call someone. Um, okay. Well, actually, but I know somebody who uh, in junior high, they got bored with the racial slurs they had and he, they made up a new one. No, no, wow, that's, that's cool. And if, if they had, like if they said Nazi Draco level. made up a new one. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. So <laughs> what I'm saying is that there's a missed opportunity because it's, it's, it's a wild thing to feel like you have to make up a new, uh, new story. Well, no, but I mean, they could have just done it, but, and had, and just said, that's the word, like not have Harry say, I don't know what that means. Just say, wow, that's the worst thing you can call someone. It's um, amazing. Yeah. Anyway, that's enough me bitching about, uh, Harry Potter, but, uh, the, like I said, the one thing I've been pleasantly surprised by is that, uh, she's actually a, a really nice writer and she, uh, she she crafts good sentences and good descriptions of things and um, has a good sense of humor um, about her. I think she's also really really anti uh, Donald Trump, which is so cool. <laughs> for, for, pretty much everyone is. There's there's one very funny moment, not very funny, but I think it's, uh, she savaged him. Yeah, what she has this really mixed thing where um, her I would say her fifth book and six books they start to get kind of uh, anti government a little bit, which is a little bit okay. weird for her. Um, but, you know, there's this... Because uh, UK. It's UK. But there's this scene right at the beginning uh, of the fifth book where this evil woman, Dolores Umbridge, you know, gets installed at Hogwarts by the Minister of Magic. And she gives this terrible speech. And Hermione gets, like, really upset by it. And they're like, why? What does the speech mean? She goes, it means that the Ministry of Magic is interfering at Hogwarts. And, like, she says, like, it's the worst thing in the world. And I'm like... Uh, 
you know, if you don't like governments interfering in schools, like you should go and like look at the world because it's uh, they they run the schools in most places. So um, <laughs> I always find that kind of funny. You know, the thing that, that I really liked, I think I think the thing that J.K. Rowling does now that we're talking about Harry Potter for a second, which like I I remember when I was reading the books or whatever, listening to the books, is that each book like has this arc storyline that i think she does really well which actually i think is the greatest thing that she does as a writer where like you they go on a few adventures in the beginning and they sort of find different pieces you know like they find like a cloak and then a watch and then a whatever and then at the final moment at the end all those pieces come together to solve the thing i think that's like a really nice really nice arc like for an individual book to have that arc so i agree that she's good at doing that some of the arcs are stupid but um other than, but yeah, I agree that like she, she's clever at like sprinkling Chekhov's guns all over the place. And um, my my daughter will now, if when we start a new book, she'll ask like in chapter two, she'll be like, "Daddy, what's the twist in this book?" Oh, nice. <laughs> and she also clued into the, the fact that they have a different different defense against the dark arts teacher every year. So when we're getting towards the end of the fifth book, she's like, "Daddy, who's going to be the defense against the dark arts teacher in the sixth book?" I'm like, I'm "Not going to tell you. You, you got to listen." So did you guys see this uh, Andrew Ng uh, job posting that made the rounds? Yes, uh, yeah. I did. 70 hours a week? They turned me down. I applied. <laughs> no. I said, you know, I, I like 40, but... Yeah. What, so what, you know, what was it exactly? It was like, uh, we're looking for uh, hard scrabble um, people like uh, to go to the South Pole and never come back. What was it? Was that I, the I think they changed it. Like, I think I feel like the first version said um, most of us work 70 to 90 hours a week. And then like they got savaged and then they changed it to most of us work 70 hours a week, including learning time, whatever the hell that means. Oh, did they apologize? They or? didn't apologize. They just kind of silently changed the, the post. But I don't even know what the company does. Are they? What are they doing? Enjoying stuff. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, also, so like this is I. I'm of two minds of this thing. Oh, are well, you? Because okay, like let's put it. So only two. Well, <laughs> my brain is only so large. One, you know, a seventy to ninety hour week. I think was the original description or something. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Whatever. Yep. That's that's what it was. That is a yep. preposterous amount of time for any expectation of someone uh, for deep learning. Just it's just you know you know what it is like whenever you have that kind of environment, which frankly, like when you know my wife's a doctor, she did you know those number of hours when she was doing her residency, and there were times in my PhD program, not the whole time, but there were times that I was definitely pulling hours like that. That okay, but that but the, but doctors are like that schedule is meant to tear doctors' minds down. Uh, no, well, and, it, and I, I don't think right? it produces good stuff. In fact, in my experience, if people think that they should produce twelve hours of stuff, and you give them you expect them to be there for 20 hours. They sit there for 20 hours, but they do 12 hours of stuff. So I, I'm actually not certain that it's a, the best. I mean, I'm, I'm very certain it's not the best approach to like actually make people most productive because they can't leave their desks until they hit 70 hours. That said, that said, if I was in a different spot and I was like young and I was trying to prove myself and like all that kind of stuff, I would like the chance to work with Andrew Ning, who like his machine learning course is basically the introduction for everybody. Like I, I would absolutely work for that guy. Like, and, and I like, and then I would hate it. I'm sure I would hate it after six months or something, but like, that would be an, like working with deep learn, like working on deep learning with him as a resume line item would be incredible. You would also at the end of it, just like hate your life and you would, you know, you would have no. But the whole time, the whole time, you'd tell people why they should come to your company, right, and work with you, you because be it's amazing. Them and interviewing them, and yeah, they're like, yeah, I'm working with Andrew Ning. Come on, I, there's it, it you like gotta, it is genuinely kill your heroes. What? Is it kill your heroes? Isn't that what they say? <laughs> yep. I think or is that like a Buddhist thing? I mean, if someone had, if someone came out of that company, <laughs> say like a, a new I'm PhD not. or something, and came out of that company with a year of working. Dude, honestly, if you if I were a new PhD with with anything related to, to deep learning, I would I would not want to work with that dude. I would I would go somewhere else. That's that is the most baloney, uh, obnoxious uh, posting. And okay, fine, congrats. You would what he was at Baidu, and it was actually it, it shaped it like when he quit. 
their stock went down, that type of thing. Congrats. That's that's great. I mean, good for you. But why would you want to do that? You're just using Unless his reputation like, to take advantage of people. I that's my, that's my claim. Yeah. So what I'm saying is like, okay, maybe if you're a recent grad or a recent PhD, your brain and soul are so broken that you're looking for a new hero, and that's fine. But I, I mean, I wouldn't recommend it. Is my one point. other thing in that job posting is didn't it say Cantonese speakers preferred? <laughs> I think it's, it's Mandarin speakers preferred. Chinese Mandarin, Mandarin. not Cantonese. Mandarin parenthesis Chinese, right? Something uh, like that, or or the other way around. Well, but well, why, why would you put that? I I uh, assumed that one of his opening an office there. Yeah, I thought I thought I kind of assumed some of his senior staff was from Baidu, and thus and be, and they don't speak English. I I mean, it seems like a valid reasoning. Yeah, I saw one. Why do you ask? I saw one conspiracy theory that said the whole job was like uh, basically dog whistling to Chinese H one Bs. You know, <laughs> you're we want you to come here because you speak Chinese and will oh. work ninety hours a week. And oh, man. You know, all the yeah. derogatory term for white people wouldn't sign up for that. Although it sounds like maybe they would. I mean, I... I well, Chris would. Yeah. If if he were recent grad. I, I would. would. But, uh, I mean, the, no actually, I think way. the real question, though, is that if you were a recent grad from, say, you know, whatever, Stanford's computer science program with anything to do with deep learning, which means you could actually get a job at his company, you would... You could get a job Get a anywhere. job anywhere. So why, why would you do that? So, yeah, that? that's, that's like, definitely a counterpoint. Absolutely. Like, that's the worst. That, that's a... That's just a... It's, I, I don't... Yeah. I mean, Joel, I think that's an interesting point because, like, why on earth would you put that in the job description? Hey, we work insane hours. Congrats. Like, join us. Like, but at least he nobody, says it. I, I mean, that. come on. Like, how how many places do you find people okay, don't say that's it? That's fine. You should, yeah, go re-listen re- re- to our uh, interview episode and, <laughs> you know, and you have, like, the companies that want you to be there 100% of the time. But, like, it's it's just... It's just dumb. I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I I think the point is, companies shouldn't. You shouldn't run your company that way. Like, and if you do, that that speaks really negatively of you as a as a it's manager. Bad management. Yeah, it's bad management. It's bad planning. It's shit operations, and you're taking advantage. And like, you should like. At, okay, so seventy to ninety hours. Are you are you are you paying seven? You know that that multiplier on salary. No, you're not. So you're trying to get over on people. So go go fuck yourself. If you want ninety hours of work, to hire two people. Yes, two and two and a fraction. I just think like people would do so much, or I strongly believe that people do way better work if that work is in short bursts rather than some long stretch of you are going to be sitting at a desk for eighteen hours a day. No, I yeah, I feel like I've seen studies where your productivity goes way down. I mean, down they know all the studies say that doctors are way worse at the end, and I can totally, yeah. I could totally like agree based on my wife, who like it was a massive trooper with that kind of stuff. But like, she was just working forever. Was she a different person when she came home after a shift? But I, I don't. I think she was. I would say that like when she was super super tired. I I feel like her brain was only working at like 70% where like, you know, like she would put milk on the counter and forget it or, you know, like some just like little thing like that, because like your brain is just not like firing and also those like I remember. So my, my, but milk, like milk in a container or just milk, no, on no, no, a just counter, milk like, in a container, just, like just little things like, like she, okay. she's super like on top of everything. And then she just wasn't. And so like my experience, my only like super strong experiences with this was when I was doing my qualifying exam, which was a 48 hour take home exam. And I basically stayed up almost all 48 hours. And I, and at the end of it, I wanted to time it. So I started my phone at the beginning. And then when I turned in my exam, I looked at my phone and I could not read Read the numbers from the timer like i i i, I couldn't actually see the numbers like it's it was it's never happened to me before but i was just looking at them and like i don't know what these numbers are like not dyslexia but like in, in inability to even see the digits. yeah i was just super tired like just wow. unbelievably tired hyped up upon caffeine like and, and I, here's uh here, here's the flip side of that i know i saw a chart or a graph on twitter it says that every time you interrupt a developer, it takes them 45 minutes to get back to being productive, right? I saw that, yeah. So um, that speaks against doing your work in short bursts because you waste all those 45 minutes. Uh, no, I think... Dreading a meeting, right? I think you, right? can, just, I think you that, can plan it like, in ways. Like, 
my friend used to do all of his meetings. He worked like by himself as a contractor, so he had way more flexibility. But he would do all of his meetings on Monday and then never have any anything until the next week. And what day did he check Twitter on? He he actually didn't. He he only checked it at night, so he would he was actually not on it all day. Well, no, that I mean that that chart about interruptions was uh, another thing that bugged me. Oh, is that the one where it's like every single time you get interrupted? Like I spent, uh, yeah, like it, the 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 schedule was like I dread the meeting that somebody scheduled for me. How dare they for like an hour? Then I have the meeting, and then it takes an hour and a half just to even do any work after. And it's like, oh, really? Yeah. So, so my thing about this is one, I actually really love having one day a week where I don't actually check anything, which I haven't done in a long time, but I used to do this where you'd have one day a week where you like, which day? I don't know. I used to do like Wednesday or Thursday or something. So I wasn't like the Friday you needed to deliver something, but just having a day for the week where you, you didn't actually check an email. Cause frankly, like there's no email that needs to be replied or basically no email that needs to be replied in the daytime. Cause I could check it at night, that kind of stuff. And you'd have like a full workday where you wouldn't have to sort of deal with anything but the other basically the counterpoint is i am a strong believer of the idea that anybody who has any kind of position above ic their job is to basically be constantly interrupted like if you're sort of frustrated with the fact that people are interrupting with stuff like your job is to be interrupted to fix things someone's you know needs a new chair someone has some you know thing with hr that's your job is to be around and do all that kind of stuff and then squeeze in work at the other times. Your job is not to sit in the corner. So, um, so for our listeners, I see is in, individual contributor, like a leaf leaf node. I don't hire people who can't source their own chairs. <laughs> it's just, you know, I, there's just all this like random stuff that happens when you, when you are in any kind of position that you sort of need to have a, a perspective of the company. That's pretty broad. Like, how are things going? How is the cash flow? All that kind of stuff where you just you get interrupted by 5 billion things all the time. If you come to me about your chair, you're getting put on a performance improvement. <laughs> cannot cannot handle own chair. That's why you have all those expensive yep. Aeron chairs or whatever they're called. The, the super fancy chairs. I actually uh, I use a standing desk. So I have a chair, but I just put my backpack on it. Oh, that's nice. I want a, I want a treadmill desk because I feel like I could lose... A lot of weight, just treadmilling all day. Yeah, we have a treadmill desk here, but it's in a room that basically got turned into a conference room. So we don't have enough conference rooms. So you can try and use it, but people keep scheduling meetings in that room. And it's awkward if you're like working and treadmilling while people are trying to have a meeting, <laughs> especially if they're meeting about you and the problems you cause. So. I just, I feel like I could sit on a treadmill desk and walk for a long time and answer emails and... I would end up walking five miles or something like that before. It I, actually... I used to do that a lot more at Google. It's uh, it works, but it's hard. It's hard, especially it's hard to get accurate mousing while you're walking. Uh, the typing is yeah. pretty easy, but the, the mousing can get a little bit tricky. So if you're one of those keyboard people who can do everything in, in Vim with no mouse, then you've got an advantage. There. Yeah, that's not me. That's okay. though. Nor, nor I. All right. We're coming up on an hour. Uh, oh, yeah. Um, is it too long? It feels too long to me. Um, yeah, uh, Andrew. Andrew, what else have you got? Well, that was it. I, I just want to like trash uh, the flashcards a little bit, but I think we did that. Nothing really. What else? What, what, what's the next? Uh, what's the next story or the next chapter in the Chris Alban story? You've got your the end of an era for uh, partially derivative. You've got the flashcards. You've got the book that's going to be. Uh, renamed from Python Machine Learning Cookbook to maybe Python Machine Cookbook Learning or something else. <laughs> um, what else? Yeah, I, I mean, the next thing... So right now, me and my wife are just in the in the desert, sort of. So I've been on this, like, semi-sabbatical, in a way, of, like, working on the book. It's like a working sabbatical. So, like, I've been working on the book and working on the flashcard kind of stuff, and I've been doing some consulting things. But eventually, I need to get, a, like, a regular real job, right? <laughs> and and probably move back to the bay area so that will be the next thing not exactly sure when that will happen but sometime sometime soon you know that uh, it's really expensive there right i i do know in fact you know i i think the thing is that there's there's other places that might be very cool to move to like you know seattle say just to randomly name they randomly mm. place the problem is Utah, it's raining right now rain? i love see the jen doesn't like the rain i really like the rain but but all of my family is in the Bay Area, and all of my wife's family is in the Bay Area, and literally oh. everyone is in the Bay Area. So, what about yeah? What about Davis or Sacramento, dude? Yeah, I think I would. I think I've spent way too much time in that Central Valley. Okay. <laughs> Land. Okay. 
What about Stockton? Yeah, oh, there you go. Yeah, Fresno, Fresno, man. So, so, are you? I mean, will you do another podcast after this? I mean, are you? Did it sour you for? No, no, no. I, I mean, did, was it? It didn't I mean, sour me. I think. I think if I did another podcast, I would. I would reduce the amount of of sort of other people that were supposed to be on it all at once because that was really like the basically Ooh. the difficult part was trying to get the three of us on every single time. Um, and so like, I would, I would actually consider something like a, a like a, a solo podcast where say I could record, you know, 10 episodes in a day and then not think about it for a few months or something like that. But I think yeah. about that all the time. Um, yep. It's just, I mean, so Joel and I, once in a while we have to like kick each other in the butt and like, be like, Hey, we, it's been a while. So yeah, I would also say that like, if I was going to do a podcast again, it would be like 15 minutes an episode, not we did like long ones like these and they're just like, it's, it's, a, it's just a lot of time. And in this amount of time that we've been recording, you could record like three episodes. And I don't know. I actually don't think that people obviously prefer actually, 12 episodes versus if you think about it, like five minute, five minute episodes. No, you need man. more than five minutes. You just need like a, like a range that's like, but five is fine. I, th- I would want, I think 10 to 20 is really like the nice sweet spot for a podcast episode. It would certainly be a lot easier I- to edit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, it's just <laughs> I'm actually super happy that I'm not editing anything. I'm not editing I, this. Actually, so. Like I, I, I hate editing the podcast. It's like the low point of my week. That is this. That was oh, man. It was pretty. We and we actually did pretty well. So we got because when it was just the three of us, because we had been doing it for so long that I would not have to edit the middle of the podcast at all. I would just I would literally add the music at the beginning and then oh, yeah. do nothing and then add the music at the end. But that only happened when it was the three of us because we were very good at speaking about these things and comfortable with the amount of editing that we was going to do. But when we'd have a guest, you know, people would, would ramble and they would stumble and they'd want to back up and that kind of stuff, which is fine. But that every single time that happened, that meant it was like another 10 minutes for me to deal with that. What, if you did another podcast, would it be about data or about something else? Yeah, I would actually... I mean, I would like to do... I mean, I don't really know anything else, so it's not really like I can talk about other things. Uh, I, I, I got to tell you, that's not that's not a bar to starting a podcast. It's <laughs> a good point. It's a good point. I would probably want to do one if I was going to do one. I don't. I don't really have a good idea, but it, it would be on data. It would have to be something original, right? So it'd have to be like an idea that was ten to twenty minute episodes. I could record a bunch over, you know, like say I take a few days off work, record a bunch of episodes, and then not think about it for three months. And would you do like government data style stuff or I don't know. Maybe social justice. Stuff bro. Yes, I would. I would. I mean, in my dream world, I would do <laughs> way more social stuff. Um, yeah. But that's not like there's not there's not a good avenue for that. And there's also not a huge number of people who do that or care about that kind of stuff. So I don't I actually don't listen to any data podcasts. I, I do enough data at work that I don't need to listen to it in my spare time. I, uh, there's actually two podcasts I like, and I'll plug them for free because I like them. Uh, one is uh, Conversations with Tyler, which is uh, Tyler Cowen's podcast. Don't know it. So Tyler Cowen is, is an economist at uh, George Mason, okay. and he's one of my favorite economists. And he has really interesting conversations with uh, really interesting guests. He's very well-read and very thoughtful. The other podcast, which is awesome and is probably my favorite podcast right now, is Norm MacDonald's podcast. He's funny. He's very funny, and he he has great guests. He had Seinfeld recently. You know, he has all the old SNL people, Kevin Nealon, Dana Carvey, uh, people like that. He had a really bad episode that had uh, Caitlyn Jenner on it. Um, that yeah. I don't know what that is. But, but by and large, his his podcast is, is awesome. And I, every time I listen to it, I find it super inspirational that I should try and make jokes like he does. But I'm not as funny <laughs> as he is. So. The one, the one podcast I listen to is the, I'll plug it as well. It's Steve Healy and uh, Dave, what's his face, Dave King, uh, on the Great Debates. So they sit there and they intentionally like do debates on a topic, and they're they're funny. Wow! Wow! So uh, just to give a freebie to our our last week's sponsor, Chris, you're also talking at the Metis Demystifying <laughs> Data Science Conference. Right? I, I am. Oh, wow. I am indeed. Yeah. What's your topic? How to learn data science. Yeah, we we mentioned yeah, that. that. Was, <laughs> so, so how how do you? Yeah, or, or, that, I mean, maybe we'll like give us a talk. Actually, you know what it was. So the reason I I, ch- I actually chose this topic because that was by far the most popular episode of Parse Derivative was one called Learning Machine Learning. Oh my god! And I went through, and that was like by 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 far the most popular episode. So I was like, okay, I mean, it's a talk, <laughs> like it's a it's a conference for people who are entering the field 
This Did is... they contact you and tell you that there's already another talk called that? So you're gonna have to <laughs> I know it's gonna be it's gonna be like how to data science learn. <laughs> that, a, a lot of the talks are kind of that. What's your what's your unique angle? I mean, the only unique angle it is it's it's literally not a talk about data science. It's just to talk about learning the field. It's not like how to get a job. It's not how to network. It's not about starting small projects. It's just like how to get this stuff into your brain as efficiently as humanly possible. Oh, are you going to do the machine, the the flashcards? I actually mentioned the flashcards in them, yeah. Although I also say it's not that. I, I, like, there's just, there's ways to do this. Like, for example, I buy paper books and I grab a pen and I tear through all the equations because if I read an equation on my screen and I can't tear through it, I just mm-hmm. don't get it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Did you sneak in a yep. plug for boot camps in the middle of your talk? I, I did, I did not. I don't actually think I even mentioned that. I think you're supposed to. Can just like what did you sneak a sneak something in about this podcast? Uh, I stuck something in about podcast, but I don't think I mentioned a specific podcast. Oh, that's, mm, a, that's okay. a big fail on your part. Yeah. Wow. Okay, canceled. <laughs> Bye. I'm gonna stop it. All right. So uh, I think we're we're out of time. You got a you you want to plug your Twitter website, flashcards, book, all that crap? Sure. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm just gonna plug my Twitter. I don't need to plug anything else. You know. I'm on Twitter sure. a lot. Yep. <laughs> come come talk to me on Twitter. I, I actually way prefer when people send me a DM on Twitter than send me an email because I feel like I can be less formal in my reply, which means I can just reply to more people at once. And I'm, I, I way prefer a DM over an email by far. People never send me not DMs on Twitter. I don't know why. I'm not that approachable. It's a, the, the last person I DM'd with was Pax Dickinson. Who is Pax Dickinson? Oh. I was, I, I was trying to get him to come mm. on the podcast. <laughs> He's worth looking at. I'll, yeah, I'll, uh, I'll send him another message. He seems angrier, angrier now. Might be able to get him. Well, Chris, thanks for coming. Yeah, on. Thanks. This is this has been a lot of fun. Um, Absolute pleasure, guys. Your usual reminder: if you want to find us online, we're at adversariallearning.com. If you want to find us on Twitter, we're adversarial underscore l. If you want to drop us an email, that's adversarial learning podcast at gmail.com. And if you'd like to rate us in your favorite podcast app, go to your favorite podcast app and rate us. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back with another episode real soon. How do rumors get started? Started by the jealous people.